Andrew Campanella with National School Choice Week. Um, first of all, let's talk about the really big news. The dance is out. Am I right? It is. Absolutely. When did that the come dance, out? It just came out last week. Thoughts and are. I have admittedly not been very good at learning the National School Choice Week dance in right. years past. But this year, it seems like the steps are a bit simpler. I mean, so I think it looks like doable. So people like me can learn them. Exactly. It is. I mean, there's a tutorial video for anyone who wants to go on YouTube and check out the National School Choice Week 2020 dance. There always is one and a lot of yellow scarves. And uh, this year's, I think I could do it with the tutorial. And it's fun because then people at all the events do the same dance, right? Exactly. And we encourage people to learn the dance, to have fun with it. Mm -hmm. If you want to improvise, you can. There are printed instructions that you can find online. So schoolchoiceweek.com slash dance. And it's a lot of fun. So you didn't choreograph it? No, I didn't. We found some amazing students at Dayspring Academy, which is a public charter school here in Florida. And they choreographed it. And they also did the tutorial. Cool. So uh, one thing we're here to talk about today is that you have a new book just coming out or has been, has it been released officially? It's coming out on January 21st. All right. Well, and I was lucky because I got an advanced copy and it's the School Choice Roadmap, the seven steps to finding the right school for your child. And I think uh, one thing that I found to be very interesting is that you open it with a story from Kansas City, Missouri. That's exactly right. And that experience in Kansas City, where I was walking into a National School Choice Week event, mm-hmm. and I ran into a mother and her son, and the son uh, and the mother told me that they were going to this National School Choice Week event because they had found a school where that young man was happy. And mm. before he was in that school, he was in another school that other people might describe as being a good school or a great school or mm-hmm. the right school, but it didn't meet his needs. And he felt like he didn't belong there. That's and so interesting. Hearing, yeah. I think that's hearing a young person say that is just so impactful. Belonging. I mean, that's what everybody wants, essentially, right, is to feel like you belong. That's a really important thing. I do think that this idea that parents either will pick schools based on test scores or should be shamed for not picking schools based on test scores is just ridiculous because I always think about like what I what I thought about when I picked a pediatrician and it might have been the uh, the waiting room or it might have been how long I had to wait. I mean, there was a number of things beyond the medical skills of the doctor that was important to me. So I think that there's all kinds of things important to parents and the most fundamental is one you mentioned is a sense of belonging and being happy. Right. And those things correlate directly to learning, the acquisition of knowledge and overall success. So I think you can find an environment where your child succeeds academically and also is happier, feels like he or she belongs in school, feels a sense of care from teachers, administrators Mm -hmm. and other students. And all of those things go into this equation. This is a very personal decision. Mm -hmm. And we often talk about it through the lens of of policy or politics, and there's no way we can. But Doesn't for work. families, mm-hmm. it's so personal. That's right. And so a lot of folks, um, I'm going to say in Missouri and other places, don't trust parents to make that choice. What do you think about that? I think it's absolutely insane mm-hmm. to tell a parent that they do not know what is best for their child. But don't you parents, hear that? I mean, I hear it all the time. It's absolutely. like, oh my God, we can't let parents pick. They'll make terrible choices. We hear that and it's wrong and Mm -hmm. it's insulting because we as a society expect people to make decisions for themselves. The underpinning 
of American society is that we all have the freedom and the opportunity to make choices for our lives. And the expectation of society is that we will all rise when we all make good decisions for ourselves. We can't say that in education, that's the only outlier. That's the only place where people can't possibly make good decisions. But that is what we say. I know, but that is what is said, right? And I I get a lot of pushback. Like, number one, uh, parents don't want school choice in Missouri. They're like, we don't have it. So we... In Missouri, we have school some forms of school choice in our two bigger cities, St. Louis and Kansas City. So I want to hear more about this person and how they made that choice. But also, in that what I hear both from legislators and, and other folks who are in positions of power is in the rest of the state, they don't want it. Parents are happy just being assigned to schools, and I don't believe it. I don't believe that. I don't believe it either. And I believe that parents want choices for their children's education, and every single parent who I've talked to, who has actively chosen a school or learning environment for his or her son or daughter has told me that they were glad they had these choices. They wish they had discovered school choice sooner Mm -hmm. and they wanted more information about pursuing the school search process, which are three of the reasons I wrote this book. So to help parents. So the the book is to help parents who are going to be in a position or or are in a position of choosing a school and to help them navigate the uh, environment. Is that right? That's exactly right. Without jargon, without education speak, talking about the decisions that you can or should be able to make for your child's education, what all these different types of schools mean, and then how to go about the process in a way that will put your child and your child's needs and wants and goals and aspirations first. And not and without judgment. So you're not saying, oh, charter schools are better than traditional public schools or magnet school or online. Like you're not judging. You're not providing any commentary on it because I, 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 and I like that about the book because that's something that's really important to me when, you know, people are, are like want to pick a particular team or a form of school choice that they think is the best form. It's like just let parents choose. You know what I mean? It's all going to be OK at the at the global level if you just let parents choose. And I think a lot of parents choose different options for different children in their family. Right. Absolutely. So to your first point. I don't believe that school choice is about picking one type of school that's going to win out for all kids. Mm -hmm. I think it's about tens of millions of families deciding uh, on the different options that work best for their kids. School choice is personal. It's not about picking winners and losers overall. And when it comes to individual kids, many families, an increasing number of families, decide that uh, their one child might go to a traditional district school, but for their younger child, they might go to a charter school. And maybe if they have a third kid in the family, that child might thrive in a magnet school or an online public school or a private school or be educated in the home. And those multiple choice families are increasing because sure. families recognize the individuality individuality of every child. I did that. I was in um, Northern Virginia where we didn't really have any official public school choice, really, but I homeschooled one and two of them went to magnet schools. And it was just finding the limited options that were available to me and taking advantage of it because that was important to me. But a lot of parents don't make that effort. Um, Question, what do you know, just because I get this all the time, about rural parents and their desire for school choice? Do you think that it works in rural communities? Absolutely. And And how? I will talk to you about, you know, my experience with families who've chosen online public schools Mm -hmm. for their kids. And I have met so many families in rural areas who 
were desperate, for lack of a better term, for mm -hmm. options. Yeah. And a rural uh, or an online public school was available, and they chose that option for their child. I also know that there are public charter schools in rural areas that are thriving. Mm -hmm. I talked with a school in um, rural Pennsylvania. Uh, it's right up against a national forest, and the school sort of focuses on the environment and how kids can learn from the the natural surroundings. And it seems like just the perfect setting for kids who That's like cool. to learn that way. Mm -hmm. And so there are these examples. Look in Iowa, Iowa, which is largely a rural state. They mm -hmm. have a variety of options from uh, tax credit scholarship program that allows parents to uh, access private schools mm -hmm. with tuition assistance. They have open enrollment programs allowing parents to choose schools in different districts. Mm -hmm. So school choice can be a reality for rural families. Now, does that mean it's not more difficult because of transportation and because of just the geographic differences? Yeah, it may be more difficult, but we're Americans. We've put mm -hmm. a man on the moon. Uh, <laughs> we've put we've done so many amazing things. We can solve this. Yeah, that's what I hear. I hear it won't work because of transportation. It won't work because of uh, district lines, which cannot be opened up. And of course they can. And uh, it won't work because of supply. So that if you opened up uh, a rural community to school choice for, say, students with disabilities, there wouldn't be any private uh, uh, option for students with disabilities. But I believe that once the uh, opening of the demand happens, then the supply will come along as well. What do you think? I agree. And I think that that's what you see right now with public charter schools and open enrollment programs. I just read a story this morning about how there's such demand for open enrollment uh, seats in, in schools that parents really want for their kids here in Florida at one district mm -hmm. um, that they're talking about increasing or replicating uh, one school that has a model that lots of families like. Sure. So demand is essential to uh, an environment where people are choosing. You need to show demand in order for districts, state lawmakers, and people who make decisions to be able to provide what people want. So you you talk a lot about the fundamental right to choose a school, but there are also other outcomes. And I know I talk about Florida regularly. And um, in Florida, some half of parents participate, I believe, in some form of school choice. And new test scores came out last week at the national level. And Florida seems to be really thriving educationally. Do you think that that's like cause and effect, like you give parents more choices and the outcomes will improve or, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, first I'll say that the scores that came out last week from the national assessment of educational progress showing that nearly three quarters of kids are struggling with reading mm -hmm. really should be a wake up call for all of us Agreed. because it's depressing. It's mm -hmm. disheartening. And when you look at the fact that too many kids can't read or are struggling with literacy, it makes their dreams and their goals so much harder for them to achieve. So we need to do more. And I believe that school choice is probably the best way to mm -hmm. improve literacy because there are so many different ways to teach reading. Mm -hmm. And we, I think there's a scientific consensus that phonics works pretty much better than any other instructional strategy when it comes to reading knowledge acquisition and teaching reading. But within the spectrum of phonics, there are so many different 
sure. methods of uh, so many different books and resources and curricula and strategies and tactics that teachers can employ. If a parent finds a school that has one strategy or tactic that really works well for his, his or her child, why should we deny that parent exactly. the opportunity to choose that school? Another child might respond better to a different um, method of instruction mm -hmm. within the phonics spectrum there and and want to choose a school that focuses on that. So, you know, we can't say that there's one way to teach reading to every child. That's just not the case. There's not one curriculum that will work for everybody. That's exactly right. And doesn't Florida have a program where uh, third graders who aren't reading on green, grade level can get a $500 debit card, basically, to go out and purchase uh, services on the open marketplace? Is that true? I believe so. Yeah, and, I think that's you right. know, there's also been a huge focus um, on reading in Florida. Mm -hmm. And you look at uh, districts like Miami-Dade, where they, as a public school district, have completely embraced the concept of choice. They say we are an all-choice district. That's they awesome. have school choice fairs. They have open enrollment. They charter schools themselves uh, as a district authorizer. They have a variety of magnet schools. That was one of the top two urban districts mm -hmm. in the country on NAEP. Sure. And you look at these districts, you look at the enthusiasm that exists for choice, and you wonder why, if it's just a given now in so many places in Florida, is it so controversial in other places? Sure. And, and so, it doesn't need to be that way. No, that's right. And so what came out last week were the 2019 uh, scores on what we call the nation's report card. So it's state-level representative samples in every state, and you can follow it over time, and the test doesn't change. So in states like Missouri, where we change our test literally every year. We've changed it four out of the last five years. And you can't follow anything over time. This you can, and it and we can use this to compare to other states. And just to give you an idea of what's happened in Missouri, our scores are flat, and they've been flat for 10 or 12 years for sure. Like We've seen no improvement on the percent of students who, who are proficient or above. But more than that, um, we are lowering in the rankings. So we used to be, I don't know, 15th, 16th among all the states in rankings. We're down in the 30s now. So what's happened is other states have passed us by. And we are one of the last bastions of no school choice. We have no private school choice. We have charter schools as intervention strategies for poor performance. And that's it. And those are only in two cities. So we're with the, we're with uh, North and South Dakota, West Virginia, um, Nebraska. I mean, there's only a handful of states that have been super resistant. And what's happening, in my opinion, is all the other states are passing us by because parents, you know, want to move to places where they have lots of choices, right? They want to move to Indianapolis. They want to move to Florida for these choices and no taxes. But I think that we are just missing an opportunity by, by digging in our heels and saying parents in Missouri don't want or need choice. And every single day that goes by where choices are ignored or the need for choices are ignored. It's not just um, bad public policy. There's a human mm -hmm. uh, cost to that. And every day that a child goes to a school where he or she is not learning as much as he or she could learn, mm -hmm. that's lost potential. And mm -hmm. I think we look at the policies involved here and we want to improve them and we need to improve them and the way we can do that, I hope, is by looking at the kids and saying, you deserve better. You deserve an opportunity to succeed. You can learn mm -hmm. if you're in an environment that meets your needs and your parents are the best people who can determine that. That's right. And to me, it just makes common sense. And so I find myself 
when I see the debates about this, almost banging my head against mm-hmm. the wall. Can you imagine telling people that when they go to the grocery store, they can only choose one type of bread? Right. Can you imagine telling people that they are there's only one type of vehicle that they can drive or one type of line of work that they could go into? Mm-hmm. Who wants to live in a society like that? Mm-hmm. Nobody. And you and I know, because we are in this space, that um, the people who say that oftentimes exercise choice themselves. They either attended a private school, they send their kids to private schools or to charter schools. They are the people who have the capacity to choose, and yet they don't want to make that choice universal to all parents. Right. And they always come up with an exception about why it wouldn't work for somebody else, but it worked perfectly well for them. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, well, I sent my child to a private school, but the tuition assistance program you're proposing wouldn't cover that school. That's an argument. Or, well, I chose a charter school, but I know how to navigate the process. And some low-income families, they just don't have the capacity to navigate it. Mm -hmm. All of these lies Mm -hmm. are really designed to dissuade people from even exercising the choices that exist in many cases. And I think it's completely wrong, completely unfair. And that's why I wanted to demystify school choice Mm -hmm. for people as much as I could in this book, because I want people to realize that they have far more power Mm -hmm. than people give them credit for and far more expertise than some of the so-called experts give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Of course they do. Of course. I mean, of course, when it's uh, you're choosing for your child. And also, we know that parents who make any form of choice are then more invested and they're more likely to be satisfied with their schools and they're more likely to be involved in the schools. Like the, it creates this sort of free social capital um, source when we just let parents choose because the choice itself makes them invested. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a point that uh, I think goes largely ignored. And that is people who oppose school choice often say that the reason attainment and achievement isn't high enough is because parents are not as involved Mm -hmm. in their kids' education as these experts say they should be. Well, how can you really set things up for parents to be totally engaged in their kids' education? when you won't engage them in the beginning of letting them make a choice for where their child goes to school. If you want engagement and involvement, you need to engage and involve people right at the start with the most important decisions, yeah. and that is where their child learns. Uh, so how did this woman in Kansas City exercise choice? Do you know? Did she move? Well, first they did move to a different district so that she could get her child into her son into a school that was ranked or rated good or great mm-hmm. by any of the number of different services that do that and found that he wasn't succeeding there. And then they did find another public option uh, for his education. I think it might've been a public charter school. Uh, I don't remember what they chose, what type of school they chose. I just remember that the child said to me, the young guy said to me, you know what? I don't feel like there's anything wrong with me anymore Mm. when he, you know, found this other school and his mother chose this other school for him. No. And he wanted to be around other people uh, whose parents had chosen a different environment for them. So this was a turning point in his life. It was also a turning point in my life. It made me look at education in a completely different way. And it pulled me out of that policy think that I had been in Mm -hmm. for for years and Mm -hmm. made me realize that the way we talk about education and the way we talk about school choice 
to reach as many people as possible and to help, excuse me, as many families as possible needs to talk to people based on what they're thinking and Mm -hmm. what they're feeling and how they're interacting with different learning environments. And that's what I started to do. And I also started to listen more. So there's this um, federal, federally administered survey called the National Household Education Survey. You familiar with that? Yes. And they ask parents, um, does your child attend an assigned public school, a chosen public school, a private school, and which type, and or homeschool? And I used to work at NCES, the group that administers the survey. And you, I was surprised. I wouldn't say you would be, but I was surprised by the number of parents who actually got it wrong. But then they gave the name of the school, so then the survey administrators went back and corrected their answers because... They might think it was an assigned public school, but it was a charter school. Or they might think it was a charter school, but it wasn't. Or might be, have been a charter school, but a homeschool component of a charter school. So they consider it homeschool. Because, and my point here is, I don't think parents care what the label is on the school. Exactly. It just doesn't you. matter. There's like, right. we know the name of the school. We, we, we like the school or we don't like the school. But the, the category it fits in, I just think it's not something that's on the radar of parents. They just want a school that fits well for their child. I agree 100%. And I hear people who work in school choice constantly lamenting the fact that so many people, they say, don't know what a charter school is. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand the differences between a charter school and a traditional public school. And in many respects, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Whether or not people can define something or put it in one bucket or another. What matters is, do they want it? And do they want these options for their families? And the questions that I hear most from families about schools, regardless of type, are, are they free to attend? Mm -hmm. Or if they're private option, is there tuition assistance available? Mm -hmm. Does my child have to take tests to get into it? Mm -hmm. And can I actually get my child there in the morning? Mm -hmm. Those are the three questions that I hear most often, aside from obviously, is this a good fit? Will my child learn? Mm -hmm. Will my son or daughter be happy? What's the instruction strategy? What curriculum do they use? Are there activities? All those questions that are essential. But in terms of what type of school it is, unless you're choosing a school uh, for a faith or religion Mm -hmm. um, component, people don't really care what type of school they're choosing. Sure. And so I think when we do this us versus them approach and, you know, um, charter schools argue with traditional public schools who argue with private schools, I think that it's kind of a lose-lose. I really do appreciate how positive your book is on in that regard as insofar as you don't really distinguish between them. You just clearly want to help parents make a good choice for them. And so I think that that's a really great aspect of your book is that it's written in a very positive tone with no negatives towards any of these choices that parents might make. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. And one of the things that I truly believe is that there are inspiring and incredible schools across the Mm -hmm. entire landscape of education, K-12 education. And you can find examples of schools that are doing amazing work, regardless of type. I have interviewed and talked with so many leaders of traditional public schools, people who celebrate National School Choice Week with us, public charter schools, public magnet schools, online public schools, private and religious schools, homeschooling cooperatives and homeschooling families. And I am inspired by all of them. And Mm -hmm. I want people to feel that inspiration. And hopefully, if they have choices for their children, exercise those choices. And if they don't have choices, realize that an environment where 
there are more opportunities is beneficial to everybody. To everybody. That's right. So you do National School Choice Week in January and you do thousands of events across the country. And I think last year, I don't know, I wrote a blog or talked on the radio or something. Thank you so much but for it was all like, you did. It was like the, the fact that we're sitting it out, like there was a party happening and we weren't invited because we don't have school choice really. And so uh, having been in Missouri only five years, I'm going to continue to beat this drum, which is that uh, five years ago, a survey was done of Missouri parents and at least 15% said they would choose a charter school as their first choice and 35% would choose a private school. And it's basically the reverse of the current situation where most people are, are in assigned public schools. I also know that younger parents in particular, millennial and Gen Z parents, really, really want school choice. And so I'm hopeful that it's coming here. And it brings joy to so many families' lives when they mm-hmm. have their child in an environment where he or she is thriving. Sure. That's what families want. They want that success for their kids because they see the difference that it makes in their children. And mm-hmm. we should all want that. As you said, the really choice-rich environments, the Indianapolis, Nashville, Miami, Camden, Denver, these cities are are thriving. And it's hard. I'm not going to say causal chicken or egg, but it's like that's where families want to go. And part of that is, I think, because they have lots of choices. And so I think that cities that aren't embracing that could improve their outcomes by just creating a, a public school system or a school system that parents want to come to because they know they have lots of options. And and if the like kindergarten didn't work out and you bought a house and then you want to change for first grade and you got to sell your house and buy another house, that is not choice to me. And that is basically what we have here. Or when you're, you know, young couples who are thinking about having kids, they got to buy the house in the district that they think is good because they've been told and they may find out like that woman you met in Kansas City, that's not a good fit. And so this idea of having to trade real estate in order to get the choice you want is um, is very frustrating to me and hopefully hopefully will go away soon. And there are so many people who are already shut out of the real estate market, yeah. cannot afford to buy a house, cannot afford to save 20% for a down payment, cannot afford to move to a different community based on where their job is exactly. or other family situations. Public transportation, so, sure. There's all right. Kinds of, yeah. We're asking people to do, in many cases, what is completely impossible. And so by doing that, what we are saying is we're going to shut out a huge swath of the population from making these choices mm-hmm. uh, by making school choice just a move your house scenario. That doesn't work. It's not fair. It's not American. We need more options and opportunities for families. And that's why I think we need as many different types of schools to open in a community as possible. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, this is great. And I think that it's uh, if anyone is interested in learning about school choice from a layman's perspective, not the way I talk about it, but how, you know, to really make it very crystal clear to parents and others, I think your book is a great um, source of that information. And it's all in one place, which is also really helpful. It explains all the different types of school choice and how you might go about actually making a choice for your child. And so I think it's really helpful. I'm um, excited for it to get out in January. Thank you so much. It's the School Choice Roadmap, Seven Steps to Finding the Right School for Your Child. Yep. You can pre-order it on Amazon. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Andrew. It was great talking to you today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Institute podcast. Find more at showmeinstitute.org. Thank you.